Welcome to the Natural Running Network, the information resource for athletes that are trying to get it done and get it done right. My name is Richard Diaz. I'm your host. Sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Adrian, I want to tell you that I, I've been looking forward to, to talking to you. It's uh, been a while. We've been missing each other, it seems like, for a couple years. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually contributed uh, a blog to your OCR World site once upon a time. I remember. I think that was back when we were in uh, Canada. So I'd be 2017, maybe? It was a while back. It was a yeah. while back. And uh, I was really disappointed, no fault of yours, that I wasn't able to come out to uh, the race this year. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I've been coaching VJ Jones pretty carefully, very closely over the the past couple three years. Yeah. And uh, so proud that he came out and won the Noram uh, 3K. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I actually I uh, I think I saw an interview with him, or maybe even just talking to him on site. Like that was like his focus, right? Like he was like, I don't think he raced the 15K at all. He, like, he went in with the goal of winning the 3K, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, we talked a lot about preparation for this year, which obviously didn't go down, and we yep. were looking at a couple things. We are looking at possibly braving the 15K, yep. and we were a little nervous about uh, the potential of John Alban showing up, <laughs> and yep. uh, you know, it was like, oh, good, they're not going to be able to travel from Europe because of this <laughs> virus thing, so scratch him from the list, you know, and yeah. we started looking at, well, wait a minute, Canada... So Ryan Atkins won't be able to come, you know, maybe. Yeah. So he, and yeah. He, was, he was more like, well, you know, I, I want those guys to be there. I want to race against these guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, dude, I want to win. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I was coming. I was going to come out. We already had plans. I was, I was going to come out with those guys. Yeah. And going back even a little further back, before Hunter got into this whole CrossFit thing, and I worked very closely with him. Mm -hmm. And I had intended to come out to OCR Worlds with him. Yeah. And turned out to be a, a debacle of an event for him. He decided to kick the bell when he shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember, I remember that. Was, yeah, that was Canada. That was a fun. Yeah. That was a fun time, mainly because I had like a million uh, athletes yelling at me about, uh, I think his DQ and everything else, which was. Not enjoyable, but uh, yeah, it was it was a little crazy. And then there was the woods thing, you know, the whole. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, politics. I'm also like I'm friends with a lot of these people, right? So yeah. uh, it, it's tough, you know. Like I, I consider myself friends with Ryan, and having to call him up and say, "Hey, like, you know, this happened. That was difficult." I had known Hunter for a little bit, so you know, say, "Hey, like, you know, you got DQ'd on this obstacle. Official tried to stop you." Like we, we had them feel like it just, it, yeah, it, it, those are the tough things like trying to balance yeah. being friends with people and part of the community, but then have to produce an event where like, you know, the integrity of our results are, are number one. So, yeah, you know, he, he doesn't blame you. I, I spoke to him uh, just be, well, about an hour ago, he called me and yeah, we uh, were supposed to get together on Saturday. I'm, I'm trying to help him get back into OCR shape. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, uh, I had to tell him that I, I couldn't get together with him. My wife's got me on quarantine. She she doesn't want me getting around anybody until after Christmas uh, because she's got family coming over. And yeah, it's just been been a shit show. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm all friends. Like, I, I get it. I get it. We've been on lockdown. I'm in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, we are getting me, my wife, and my son are all getting tested on Wednesday. Um, it's it's yeah, 2020 has been a really challenging year i mean for everyone in the event space you know you, you don't have events like you can't produce mass market events right now and you don't have any events you don't really have any uh, a business any, no revenue you know? I mean, so yeah. yeah trust me you can't do home delivery i mean <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. the restaurants right yeah before we get into all the stuff about uh, ocr worlds and uh goings on and the wonderful aspect of uh get, getting back in the game for this coming year I want to talk to you a little bit about triathlon because uh, <laughs> yeah. I try to do my homework. Full disclosure, we've never met before. And uh, uh, unfortunately, because a couple of times I'd planned to be out there and I, I communicated with uh, Rachel Ann and 
Yeah. We, you know, we, we kind of were messing around because a couple things uh, that you don't know about me is I produced events. I actually produced triathlons. Oh, okay. Cool. You know, long before you were in it because I'm an old man, okay? <laughs> One day I'm going to share with you the video they did of my 1983 triathlon. All right, which one was that? It was the Maui Triathlon, 1983. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I owned it. It's fun to watch because all the athletes were wearing leather bonnets <laughs> because there wasn't even hard shell helmets yet. And they're wearing like wool socks. And like and, and, penny farthing bikes. Yeah, dude, <laughs> never... the, uh, they had the, 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 the toe cages, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is back in the day of Scott Tinley and uh, yeah. Mark Allen and all those guys yeah. competed in my events. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's so the reason I'm even sharing this with you is because my heart goes out to you as a once upon a time event promoter, knowing the chaos that ensues in these circumstances and, and everybody's got an opinion about what you should do next and why you should yeah. do that and why you should do this. Good. And we'll, so, we'll, we'll get along well then, because it's like, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like if once people produce an event, an you know endurance race, a sporting event, like I, there's like a special bond between people because you kind of you know the agony of like holding things together with scotch tape and oh like my god, throwing over every inch of the course, and the most ridiculous things go wrong that you would never ever plan plan for. So like I listened to a couple of podcasts actually earlier today. I was uh, I was on my my Concept Two bike and. I said, you know, let me get some backstory, see if I could find something. And so I pulled up a couple of podcasts and, uh, you know, the typical guys in this community and God love them. I mean, some of them friends of mine, I'm not trying to cast dispersion. Yeah. But the type of questions that they have for you are related to the athletes that are competing and blah, blah, blah. And I've, I've, I've interviewed most all these guys in the sport that, you know, that are out there that yeah. people are looking at at one time or another, sometimes two, three times. And um, I don't know. It's like once you've heard it, you heard it, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the inner workings of putting together an event and the frustrations of dealing with it and moving it. And, you know, so I was listening. Uh, people were saying, wow, why don't you come out and put one out on the West Coast? Why don't you put one out in, you know, Zimbabwe, yeah. Africa? And, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, sure, let me just get my magic wand and, Let's yeah. make that happen for you because, you know, you and six other people want that to happen in your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't, they typically, the, com the community doesn't understand the depth that goes into moving the show. And yeah. Just, yeah. That, that's honestly the hardest part is, you know, we're, you know, we're not a massive event producing conglomerate. We're not competitive group. We're not Ironman. We're a small company. And it has its 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 advantages and its disadvantages. Um, but you know, every time we go to a new country, we've got to learn it all again, right? You've got to you figure out, rules. yeah, the employment laws. The you know, does Canada have its own version of workers' compensation if somebody gets hurt building um, on, on the while they're building the course? Um, you know, like, do we want to produce an, an event in France? Okay, cool. Who on our team speaks French? <laughs> nobody so like yeah. okay well, that, that's that's a challenge um, I get it. so you know every time we want to do these things we have to think about it's essentially starting a business from scratch in a foreign country where you just don't know how to operate right like like great we're going to produce an event in uh you know zimbabwe great where do we buy wood where do we rent scaffolding where do we get crash mats where you know Right. Do we have a timing company that can actually time the race? Like one of the essential things you need to do. Yeah. So it's learning from scratch. Um, you know, thankfully, like we've had some good partners over the years um, in each country that we've gone to, whether that's been the Enduro in Australia, nuclear races in the UK. But um, you've got to you've got to stand on those folks' shoulders to produce anything at all. And you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, you, you you don't know these people. You're just hoping that they're going to do what they say they're going to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're basically one event a year, and we're saying, hey, we're going to trust you with our livelihood that that you can help us pull off a really good event. It's scary. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me just share with you that um, even though I've not been to your event, I work with a lot of athletes in the sport, 
And so I get a lot of feedback about various events. And I don't travel to events commonly. I will visit an event if it's nearby. And if I've got a couple, if I got skin in the game, if I've got, got a couple athletes racing, uh, I've been to Spartan World Championships uh, for the past three years, I think, three, four years, mm -hmm. uh, because I always had skin in the game. I had athletes racing and a lot of the people that I work with are there. So I'm thinking, okay, politically, I should go out because I don't see these people. You know, my, my coaching is commonly virtual. So getting a chance to rub shoulders with people that I do work with, uh, yeah. even people I've written program for, they're showing up. Maybe I've never met them before and right. uh, get yeah. a chance to work with them. So, and it's close. So, you know, I, I would show up for those events, but, you know, guys trying to get me to the, go to the East Coast for an event. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just kind of a long mm -hmm. trip. And and I'm, yeah. I'm a terrible spectator, too. I hate yeah. watching, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It's also time away from the family, right? And, yeah. and well, all that stuff, yeah. yeah I get my it. Fam, my son's grown. You know, my wife usually, she travels with me because she helps me with the clinics we do. Mm. Um, so, yeah. But I did go to a bone frog event yep. on the East Coast because I like those guys, you know. Yeah, which one? Uh, Berkshire, the one in Massachusetts. No, no, I went to one in New Jersey. I think it was. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I actually did a I did a clinic there for with cool. for them. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, I mean, look, uh, Brian Carney and and yeah, crew, yeah, right? yeah, great guys. I mean, great yeah. guys. And and uh, you know, my son's in the military. He's in special ops. Has been for twelve years. So uh, my heart goes out to these guys being military and, you know, uh, ex-Navy SEAL. I, I don't imagine there's such thing as an ex-Navy SEAL. You're a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Right. Um, I just really wanted to see them succeed, you know, from, mm -hmm. again, from my event promoter background. Yeah. You know, I, I know how logistically difficult it is to do these types of things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I, I really wanted to help support them. So getting back to your events, I heard nothing but good stuff about your events. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, I wish I, I wish it was all true. We definitely have some things we can do better, but yeah, I well, think of course, done, of course. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, think, I think we've done a good job. I think, um, you know, I've mentioned this. I, I hate to rehash what I've said on other podcasts. I know it'll drive you nuts, but like, you know, I always remind myself and the team that you know we've we've collectively only done like you know under a dozen events, so we've had limited benefit of an iterative process to get better and better and better. So um, I, I think right now we're kind of at this point where we have a lot, a lot of longer lead time until 2021. So now's the time to like produce what we think is going to be like our best event yet, right? Um, we have a lot of lead time. Uh, we're not rushing around. We're focusing on one event in 2021. Um, so like I actually kind of rate us probably like a seven out of a ten thus far. And I, th I think we have a lot more things that we could, a lot more things we can do. I know that's like, sounds like hype, but it's true. Like there are, there are ideas that we're talking about, things that we should have done in the past um, or lessons that we've learned. But I think we are, you know, I think we can be much better than we have in the past. Well, look, you know, you're on the inside looking out. And so yep. you're always going to be hypercritical of your own tasks and your own yep. outcomes. But I'm just telling you from where I sit, I'm dealing with the consumers. I'm dealing with the people that are doing your events. And I've got to tell you, I've seen more excitement from people that are participating in your event than pretty much all the other events combined. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm just Thanks. telling you this. You yeah. know, if you know me better, you know I got no filter. I just tell you what's on my mind. I'm, look, dude, I'm old. I, you know, I got this license to say whatever the hell <laughs> you're, I want. You're not, that, you're not that old. So. Dude, trust mm. me. You don't want to go down that road with me. No, I just no, told you that I was no. putting on events in 1980. My first event I put on was 82. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I had a company, by the way, I had a company called Competitive Sports Enterprises. Okay. And we put on endurance events. Yeah. Uh, I did uh, race direction for an event on Maui called Run to the Sun, which is mm -hmm. an ultra distance from uh, Kahului, if you've ever been to Maui, Kahului, to the mm -hmm. top of Haleakala Volcano which is 36 okay. and a half miles straight up. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. And, I've, been, uh, I've been to Kauai, not Maui. I don't, yeah, yeah, not well, Maui. I put the, I put on a race for CBS sports on the island of Kauai. Okay. Yeah. And the event went from, it's a triathlon. So it went from 
uh, Hanalei to Poipu, which is basically from one end of the island to the other end of the island. Yeah, uh, Poipu Bay, right? Is that Poipu? Yeah, Poipu uh, yeah, is Poipu is kind of ugly to be honest with you. It's like uh, that's like a Waimea. I don't know, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, but Waimea Canyon is around there as well. Yeah, well, that's kind of in the middle. Okay, all right. But yeah. Poipu, the getting in the water there is forget it. And so yeah. we were doing a site survey. Yeah. And uh, I was working with CBS mm -hmm. and they just want something to be dangerous. Yeah. You know, they want drama. They're going to yeah. put it on yeah. television. Yep. They looked at my event on Maui and they said, this is great. You do a great job. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. But nobody's going to die here. Right. <laughs> right. You right. Know? So can we, yeah. I said, well, look, dude, for television, I'll throw some landmines out there. We could blow <laughs> some people up if you want me to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so just uh, I'm out kind of off point, but um, it's not easy. It's yep. not easy to do what you do. Yeah. So the other consideration, I think the big elephant in the room in mm -hmm. the sport is money. Yeah. Right. So yep. and I think that the, the sport got off on the wrong foot. Thing. Okay. Right out of the gate, they start paying these guys to attend events. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in the yep. beginning, you probably were paying pretty well. I think, honestly, this is my personal opinion. So, again, I told you I got no filter. Yeah. But all of a sudden, these guys are getting paid mm -hmm. and getting paid pretty well on payroll. Yeah. Um, and earning to go to events wasn't terrible. Mm -hmm. And then Tough Mudder jumped out and started throwing some serious cash at, at athletes. Yeah. And, um, and then all of a sudden, somebody figured out that it, it didn't pencil. Yeah. And, and they started dropping the cash from the events. Right, right. And then there's just all kinds of chaos broke loose. Yeah. And so I'm not uh, terribly convinced I understand what the solution is. Just coming back to from triathlon, guys competed in triathlon, and they made their money from their sponsors. Yep. You look at – I agree. So from, like, the racing purist perspective, right? So, um, you know, you'd <sighs> – You'd have races, um, take Rev3, right? Rev3 triathlon, which was, uh, you know, kind of emerging as a competitor to Ironman. And what they were trying to do is get the spectator experience really right. They were holding events at kind of cool areas like Cedar Point, the, the amusement park, right. um, uh, uh, Quasi in Connecticut. And they had a huge prize purse. But you still had athletes that, you know, they weren't paid by the race to be there. They were being paid by sponsors. Um, or they're winning prize money. And, you know, you get like Maddie Reed and some of the other uh, names and they're coming in, probably sleeping on friends' couches while they were there and stuff like that. And yeah, it, it, so when, when it hit OCR, you're right. It was a very different model of like, hey, we're going to have athletes on our payroll and those those athletes are going to race against the general public. It was, it's certainly, it's not something I had seen before. Yeah, and so they, they become reliant uh, yep. on the stipend they were getting from the event promoters. And then mm -hmm. the frustration that I saw, you know, just working with my own athletes that are getting paid or depending on paychecks from the event promoters, they were at this this juncture where you we're paying you to be on our team, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So you can't have the sponsor T shirt on. You can't you can't wear a logo on your shirt. You yep. wear our logo on the podium, right? Right. And right. so why would I want to endorse an athlete that I can't even put my logo on? Right. Yep. And so yep. then it was, the, they're trying all the kind of sneaky ways to, to, uh, you know, put the hat on after the thing, put the shirt on after the thing yep. you know, to, to get their ch So it's like, what the hell? It's like, it's, it's complicated. That yeah. It was there was a point where I was actually sponsoring athletes before, uh, before we had the world championships and it was a, kind of the same thing. It was like, Hey, I want you to wear our arm sleeves. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you to do it, and they're like, well, I can't because I have to. I can only rep this brand, or I have to wear this kit, and it's tough, right? Because actually, again, I'm friends with some of these folks. I'm like, I literally want to give you money. I want to support you. I want to pay for your way to the race. But the point is that it's it's mutually beneficial, right? You get to go race, win prize money, um, and as a sponsor, you get exposure and you expand your you expand your reach. And when you start to cut off those avenues, whether it's shoes apparel nutrition that type of stuff it like you as a business the value is gone 
Well, back in the day, a lot of the sponsors that were available to us mm -hmm. were not sponsoring athletes because the way they looked at it is the athletes will come and go. Yeah. But the event's going to be there. Yeah. So yeah. they got behind the event and they figured mm -hmm. if they get the event, then they own it. Right. So they're going to get the exposure they're looking for because they're aligned with the event. Yeah. And uh, I remember back Scott Tinley. Mm -hmm. This is actually something that takes you back. Uh, when he did my race in 83, the, the race singlet that he was wearing during the run was uh, a company called Sub 4. They're gone, you know, long gone. Mm -hmm. He put electrician tape over the logo on a jersey. And, <laughs> and, and the race number we had was, we got it from Runner's World Magazine. And he folded down their name so they couldn't be on. He, anything that had a logo on it, he, he taped yeah. it or covered it up. Mm -hmm. And this was, you know, at the, nobody was, they're like, what are you doing? It's like, yeah. hey, you know, Tiki, no laundry, man. They're not paying me to wear their, their stuff. So, you know. He's got a fair point. I, I agree with him. And he fronted them. And, and it, that's, that was actually the beginning yeah. of the fledging professional aspect mm -hmm. of triathlon. So yeah. I was on the, I mean, I sat yeah. in meetings when these athletes were fighting with event promoters about developing a union and, you know, all the yeah. athletes were going to get together. And, and lobby against events if they didn't provide them mm -hmm. something or other. Yep. Um, yep. And so here we're seeing it again. You know, there's all yeah, that. Yeah, we've seen it. You know, uh, uh, UFC has, has had their share of that stuff. Um, obviously, the Olympics. Um, I mean, CrossFit, right? I think they had some drama over shoes uh, a couple of years ago between Reebok and Innovate and, and everything else. And, yeah, I, I mean, there's only so many categories and you really start to make it tough for somebody to make a living on, on, on events aside from the top three people taking on prize money. Right. right. And it's, it's tough. So OCR world championships, I think it would be legitimate mm -hmm. to actually issue pro cards like they do in triathlon. So you, I mean, I pro cards suggest that you've, that you set set for the testing, drug testing, yeah. mm -hmm. and um, you you were basically licensed as a professional. Yeah, and that's what really categorizes you as a professional. I think that you know the argument about whether there should be money going towards the the age groupers and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I, I just think that uh, if you're pro, you're pro. If you're yeah. not, you're just out there having a good time. And right. yeah, you know, you can hang your hat on. I, I, I'm the, I'm the baddest 40 year old non-pro right? Um, and get, right. get some prizes or circumstance, but you can only spread the money so thin. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been a little bit all over the map on this. So, so like we did prize money for age groupers for a long time. Um, of course, then you you know, you hit those, those circumstances where somebody kind of, they should really should be racing pro, but they know Albin's there. So uh, they'd rather, you know, get a thousand bucks and win their age group, that type of stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I hear you on the pro card. I just wonder if it's a little bit still too early uh, to, yeah, a little too early for that. Right. Well, somebody's um, got to do it. I just think that, yeah. uh, to, to get legitimate, cause everybody talks about causing it to be a legitimate sport. Yeah. When I first started doing podcasts, which has been about seven years ago, when nobody was right. doing podcasts, I was doing podcasts. But it was right. about running. It had nothing to do with OCR didn't even exist yet. And I yeah. did a lot of interviews with triathletes and runners and whatever. Uh, I think that um, the concept of going pro, the concept mm -hmm. of legitimizing the sport requires some standard. Yeah. Right? And so okay, and I well, think that... that yeah. Uh, across the board. So, well, look, you want to race pro. This is OCR World Championships. You want to race pro. We mm -hmm. uh, will, you know, you, you, you've you qualified. You know, you're clearly qualified to be a professional. But here's our yep. standards. We, yep. we, want to, we want everybody that's going to race pro to be drug tested. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And uh, not because there's so much money in the sport that it, that it makes sense to protect yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But somewhere it's got to start, right? And then, yeah, then, yeah, we've done drug, drug testing from our very, very, very first event, right? So we did it in 2014, and the the reason we did it, like, was 
like, hey, we're paying out a lot of money. We want to make sure, you know, if we're if we say the integrity of our results are one of the most important aspects of our event, we want to make sure anybody that takes home a check or anybody that stands on the podium um, is it, it's it's legit, right? So that's why we started doing it. Um, but I, I like the idea of a pro, pro card. So maybe we could like I let's flesh this out, even though we're doing this live, yeah, sure. like. What criteria are we talking about? Because so we have our we have our journeyman division, right? Which was, um, and the intention was to get twofold: one, get people out there racing events, like just get out there race events, do a bunch of OCRs, and you can just by participation earn a spot in the special division at at the World Champs. The second reason we did that was to reward the people that are the most passionate, right? Like the, like there, there are people out there. Um, I use the example, he's not as active anymore, but he's one of my friends, Paul Jones in New England Spines, right? He was always out there advocating for the community, advocating for OCR, race local, come out and do races. So it was a great way for us to say, hey, there are people here in the community that are driving participation. They're kind of the lifeblood of the sport, right? They're bringing their friends, their family, they're doing the outreach. How can we reward them and create a spot for them in in our event? And so that's how our journeyman division was started. It feels a little bit like the pro card is kind of the same thing, but at the top athletic tier of of it, where it's like go out, do a certain number of races, claim a certain number of podiums, and then you earn your pro card for our event. Right. Well, or so, for the sport. so what I'm thinking is like the, the problem of guys stepping down to, yeah. to take money. Right. Right. So so-and-so is not doing as well in an event. He knows he's not going to make any money as a pro. He steps down to mm -hmm. age group, takes the money away from the age groupers. Right. Yep. Once yep. you get a pro card issued, you're disqualified from being an age grouper. Now yeah. you're in it for the money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that takes care of that problem right out right. of the gate. Right. Yeah. And, and the other consideration is that, to me, a professional in sport, the way you determine that is look at their their W two. I, mm -hmm. I mean, are they a hundred percent earning a living from the sport, or right. is it like a part time job? You know. Yeah. And so, the only way that's going to come about is if you're winning pretty regularly. So yeah. I would suggest that you need to make top ten mm -hmm. in competition in legitimate events in a season. Yep. I don't know how many people that would end up being, or maybe even break it down to maybe top 20. So just right. say uh, yeah, top 20 in the field throughout the season in legitimate yep. events. Yeah. And, and then once you get to that criteria, um, you, you, you qualify to be a professional. Yep. And if you don't qualify to be a professional, then you don't qualify for money. Right. So right. the elite money is is controlled by the license. Yeah. If you're not a licensed yeah. pro, you don't qualify to compete as a licensed pro. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, I, I don't know, I go back and forth. I, I do feel like maybe it's a little bit, still a little bit too early, right? People got to keep in mind that people still like the ideas of, or the idea of somebody coming out of nowhere, like into the sport. We haven't had, we have had some crossover but we haven't had as much as as I thought we would have at this point, right? We haven't had people from the triathlon community jump in and and kind of test their mettle. I mean, there's been a few um, instances, I think, you know, Heather Golnick, I think, on the, the Spartan Pro team yeah. uh, made the jump, maybe a few others. That I'm sorry if I'm, I'm missing somebody and they're going to get mad at me, but yeah. um, we haven't had, you know, uh, the crossover. Right? I would even say the same thing for from a – I mean, you can say about sports, you can say the same thing about diversity. You know, we don't have that crossover just yet. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. And and uh, I watched for it. And as a matter of fact, I goaded a lot of my friends right. to try. I mean, I'm telling you, back in the day, I was like uh, talking to these guys. said, have you looked at this thing? Because this is when OCR was just coming about. I said, have right. you looked at this thing? This thing's take, catching fire, man. And they're starting yeah. to pay out pretty well. I've got yep. a friend in Los Angeles right now that I used to coach. He's a about a 223 marathoner. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, he's pretty strong. I mean, like most runners, he's mm -hmm. built to do the work. I mean, 
he would run a marathon and drop down and do like a hundred push-ups and hundred, you know, uh, burpees mm -hmm. or something like that after he threw down like a sub three hour marathon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at this guy. I said, dude, you, you're not making any money running. Mm -hmm. He won the San Francisco marathon. You know what he got? He got a t-shirt, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. Dude, you, you know how hard it is? Who's making money running anyway? Like, that's Ryan Hall, he's like, yeah, that, that's my point. Yeah. I said, there's, you could be making some money here if you, if you actually, yeah. you know, took a shot at it. He goes, really? Mm -hmm. They're paying out that kind of money. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, another guy that I spoke with, uh, Joe Gray, Joe Gray is a mountain running beast. Oh yeah. 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 Oh my God. You know, yeah. and the only event that I saw him show up a Spartan event was when mm -hmm. they were doing the trail series. Yeah. It was last, last year, last year was, you know, they're starting this thing out. And they were stuck with coming up with a championship. And yeah. There's only been like two two events or so, <laughs> but they have a championship. And first place in the in mm -hmm. the uh, it was a 10k, I think. Yeah. Was six grand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I saw Joe because I I teased him. I sp I did podcast with him. I said, "You mm -hmm. really had to look at this, Joe. You can go in there and smoke these guys, you know." And he's, "No, no, no, no. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that." Yeah. And so he yeah. shows up. And I said, "Hey, Joe, what are you doing here?" He goes, I'm just, you know, I'm just here, you know, I don't know. There's six grand. I'm like, I said, so what What kind of finish time you you going to have? He said, oh, no, I'm just going to win. <laughs> so, so literally he yeah. came in, took the check and went home. And we haven't yeah. seen him since, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the infancy of the sport, I, I think that these athletes that are legitimately competing in other sports are not mm -hmm. giving the credit that the sport potentially deserves. And I think the the thing that will make a difference is when, A, you kind of standardize the process a little bit. Uh, see, you could do it because you you have your, your the OCR World Championships. Right. If you win yeah. this, you know, yeah. I'm giving you all this feedback because it's, you know, I'm crazy, right? Yeah. Like, for example, I was listening to this other uh, feedback you were getting about changing the venue. Yeah. Um, moving from here, moving to there, going to Europe, possibly going to warmer climates. You said mm -hmm. warmer climates. I said Molokai. Where's that? In Hawaii. Oh, okay. There's nothing on Molokai. Yeah. I mean, literally nothing yeah. on Molokai. The the challenge is always going to be that you've got to pick places that are accessible. You've got to pick places that people will travel to. Um, and going back to when you started, the start of the conversation, you know, like we get requests to go West Coast and all that stuff, um, Zimbabwe. Uh, you still got to have you, you can't produce a world championship unless you have participants right no, now. I get that. Right? I get that. So. so having put on events on Maui, yeah, I had people participate and travel from all over the world because it was a destination. Mm. They yep. turned it into a vacation, right? Yep. So what you do is you park your butt on Maui for a week leading mm -hmm. into or after you compete on Molokai. So yep. Molokai is like a little puddle jump across the channel there and boom, you're there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing on, well, there is one thing on Molokai. It's a leper colony. Now, <laughs> leper colony. All right. <laughs> All right. Maybe we won't go past that place. But yeah, no, I get, I get it. There, I mean, there are other, you know, um, well, Ironman has uh, the St. Croix triathlon, right? Yeah. The, uh, the Ironman St. Yeah. Croix. Yeah. The, the hill is uh, it's called the Beast. Yeah, really tough event. I have, I have friends I've traveled down there for like, you know, the, the, racecation type stuff um and yeah it, it, it yeah i just don't know if i don't know if people would go i mean yeah, i guess it, west coast would go to hawaii yeah, uh, yeah. west coast people have the same problem the east coast people have with coming out here All right uh, the travel distance is a little i mean the going to london from from california you know that's a that's, that's a long trip yeah that's a, a trek yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to get that one way or the other. Yeah. And then, I don't know, if you get the right kind of sponsorship behind it, you could probably throw up a pretty decent purse for, for the winners, and that would absolutely mm -hmm. get it going. I mean, you see yeah. Spartan puts on uh, a beast, an ultra beast event on Oahu. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that they have good participation there. So, yeah. I think, I, I'm, I'm not lobbying for it. I'm just, you know. No, we have, we, have a, we have a roster. We have a tracker of places we want to go, right? Um, and then we start to evaluate against the criteria of like, all right, where are athletes now? What, well, up until this year, like, okay, where's the largest contingent of qualifying races where people were, you know, we, we've got to go to a place where we can cast a pretty wide net. So, you know, where are the qualifying events happening? Where's the sport growing? 
where are, have, have our past participants come from because they still make up a significant portion of the participants. Um, and then we try to, and then the other stuff we talked about, like what can we manage from a, from a logistics standpoint? What can we travel to? Um, or where do we have partners in place that can help us pull this off? I used to uh, put on events. Well, what, we did an event in Kauai, which is, it's not very far from Maui where I live. Yeah. You couldn't get there by car. So Hawaiian Air was my uh, one of my sponsors. So when we yeah. moved, logistically, when we had to move all of our stuff, Mm -hmm. um, we just loaded up in Hawaiian Air, and they they took care of that for us. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, the venue you have now in Vermont, mm -hmm. I think, is killer. I think that is yeah. Stratton is exceptional. Um, it, you know, I don't know if we'll have, in terms of a venue partner, and I'll exclude the UK because they were a venue slash production partner with James and Nuclear Races. Like, with what we could do with Stratton. I think we could do, and like maybe this is me like ditching the modesty piece, but I, I think we can do the best event in the history of the sport next year, like bar none. Well, like, I, I honestly think that that's that's the best location in the country for the yeah. event. Um, yeah. Because uh, I've I've been out there. I uh, I put on a couple events uh, myself in in I, I do clinics. You know, I travel around and I've done it a few times. The thing that I laughed about when I was listening to your podcast, we were talking about September. I put on a, uh, a clinic in September, and the guy that was hosting it was saying, oh, dude, it's going to be nice here. It's going to be amazing. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> and I said, well, it's not going to snow. It's not going to be cold. He said, no, 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 no. It doesn't snow this early. You know? And uh, the, the day I got there, you know, we're sitting at, we went out to, to dinner and sitting having a beer and uh, look out and said, is that snow? What is that? Is that snow or not snow? He goes, oh, no, that'll be gone in the morning. Don't worry. It'll be gone in the morning. Yeah. Got up in the morning, and it was like three feet of snow on top of the car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's happened before. It's it's rare. Um, you know, and we're like, we bumped up a weekend because we're the 23rd to the 26th now, so we bumped up. Um, in fact, I was actually a little bit worried that we were kind of in front of, like, peak foliage. But, it, yeah, it, it's it's possible. Rare, but possible. But, um, no, Stratton's going to be great, like, the village is going to be very reminiscent of Blue Mountain in Canada. Um, it has that kind of close-knit vibe. It's actually a little bit more, con a little smaller and more concentrated, which we actually think is is good for us. Um, the Stratton team that we work with, fantastic. We've been doing Noram there. We've done we've done Noram there for two years. Um, in fact, when we do our surveys, our Noram events have been our top-rated events, ex exceeding world championships so like when i say like greatest event in ocr next year like i mean it like it, i'm i'm frequently very humble and modest about that but if we can pull off everything that i want to do and everything that every all the ideas that the team has had like no question so i heard uh, in the course of this this podcast and you know you got to forgive me I, I don't chase this stuff around logistically i don't know <laughs> um something about a hundred obstacles well we had done in uh 2018 at world champs in the UK, we did a hundred obstacles and that was more of a death by a thousand cuts as opposed to like some really big, just like stop you in your tracks type stuff. And it actually worked out pretty well. One, because we had exceptional weather, 70 degrees and sunny for the UK in October is unheard of. And we had it for three days in a row. Um, and where people were getting stuck were it's basically like the second to last obstacles, like the very the, the tail end, right? Which um, meant that a lot of failures there were due to fatigue, you know, not not things like super technical, impassable rigs and obstacles. And uh, so that was a new concept for us of like let's just throw a lot of a lot of stuff at people and really reward endurance at that point, right? I think it was still a little bit too tough and we dodged a bullet and that the weather was nice, but had it rained or been cold or anything else that could have been a disaster. Um, but yeah, so no, we're not shooting for hundred obstacles for Stratton. We're probably more back in the 50 range, um, but 50 like true, uh, true obstacles that reward efficiency and technique, things like Gibbons, that type of stuff. Um, we're back on a mountain, so people should not underestimate the technical running. Um, certainly don't estimate underestimate the 
downhill portions as well. When we've done NORAM in the for the past few years, people have been worried about the uphill climbs, but then they finish the race and they say, okay, uphills are one thing, but descending for a mile through really technical trails is it, 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 it's punishing. It is excruciating. Um, back in the day, um, and I'll actually give a plug to, uh, to Huda, um, at Trans Rockies, race director for the Trans Rockies Run, which I take a lot of inspiration from. Um, when I had done that, I learned very quickly, like, it's not the uphills to worry about, right? It's, it's the downhills and the, the repeated repetitive pain uh, and the eccentric running motion that comes with that. And great, when you're running downhill for seven miles in a row and you're on your brakes the entire time. Terrible. Yeah, it's, it's tough. No, I know. I know that you, when you conjure up the term Vermont, uh, I know right away that it's, it's, it's going to be a challenging course. Yep. And I recall virtually looking at the event that Vijay was in and, and mm-hmm. actually a couple of events over the years there. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough course. It's a tough yeah. course. But- yeah, but, but Vijay did the right way, right? And so that was that moment when I spoke to him and saw him at Stratton saying, and I, I think I asked him, I think we were standing by Gibbons. And I said, hey, are you racing tomorrow? Said, no, no, I'm just here for the 3K. Um, that stood out to me because we're kind of at that point in the sport now where people are specializing, right? And they're right. and they have their A races and their practice races and all that stuff. And it's like, no, like, uh, you know, my A race is the 3K. And they acknowledge that to train for a very mountainous 15K versus uh, a fast burst 3K required two different things, right? Um, we were actually just messaging with another athlete um, from Denmark yesterday who wants to, who's coming over and he's doing just the hundred meter and just three K and that's his focus. And that's what he's just spends his year training on. Um, uh, I don't want to say, cause I don't know if he said that he is, that he is racing yet. Um, so oh, I'll yeah. leave that to him. But I think if I say short course from Denmark, I think people will probably figure it out um, pretty quick, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that, specialization is happening more and more um you know just coming from my own as much as i as long ago as it was you know that when you were doing triathlon you said okay i'm going to do it i'm going to focus on olympic distance this year right you would never say i'm going to do olympic distance and i'm going to throw in an iron man in the same year but yeah (laughs) you would would never do that right you say all right my focus rate if i'm doing iron man i'm going to focus my a race is like placid i might do a few half iron mans leading up to it maybe one maybe one maybe two at, at best one is a practice race, and then you throw down, you know, your full distance. You're singing to the choir right now because yeah. I've been, I've been like, wait a minute, wait, you're going to do what? No, no, yeah. no, no, no. You know, yeah. so guys that want me to coach them, mm-hmm. uh, first thing they do is they send me their itinerary for the for the year. Yeah, these are the these are my A races, these are my B races, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And I, my first question is like, why why do you feel like you need to race both Saturday and Sunday? Yeah. And yep. they're going, well, you know, I'm there. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. I said, mentally, when you go into a, a weekend like that, you're going to have this event that you're going to throw down at, and then you're going to have mm-hmm. the event that you you half-step because you threw down at the other event. You're not yep. going to be 100%. In, and then you also risk injury. So I don't like it. I don't want you to do it. Uh, yep. And I've had many occasions where I've had athletes that are racing both events or we yeah. set out to do one event and there was some mishap where it didn't go well. And mm-hmm. because you're there, I said, well, we got to make some money. Go ahead and do the other race. Um, yeah. But yeah. generally it's plan B. Yeah. Now that being said, I think, you know, athletes like Ryan Atkins who can excel at the 3k and the 15k and then go out and do, you know, a uh, hundred miles at like a world's toughest mutter. Um, like it's, it's, it's incredible. Right. So, I mean, Listen, it's entirely possible that I'm 1,000% wrong on this. <laughs> and, no. and like, maybe that is the nature of OCR that, you know, we have, the athletes can go across all those different, uh, those different distances and disciplines. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, when I, when I saw VJ, I was like, right on. This guy, he came in with a plan. And he executed his plan. And that's cool to me. Well, look, I, this is what I do. So physiologically, it's, I guess, body confusion. You know, right. when, you, when you're going after the short, high-intensity events, 
the training that you need to do to prepare for something like that is completely contrary to what it is when you're trying to go. Yeah. It's just mm -hmm. simple as it's physiology. Yeah. And I've had this yeah. argument with Hunter a million times. Yeah. Uh, when he was trying to uh, do his thing with CrossFit Games, he calls me up and says, hey, look, soon as this is over, I want to go to Tahoe to do yeah. world champions and I want to win the world mm -hmm. championship. I said, they're six weeks apart, dude. I said, yeah. I said, do you understand how difficult that might be? I mean, that's just yeah. not, that doesn't make any sense at all. He right. says, yeah, but it would make a great story, wouldn't it? Right. And I said, yeah, yeah. it probably would. I said, okay, I'm in. I'll yeah. try. But Fair point. Just... But I mean, that's a little bit of the nature of obstacle course racers in general, right? Like, the, the, it's outside the comfort zone, as cheesy as that sounds. It's like it's taking on things that seem impossible and are, like, counterintuitive. So, um, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I've been trying to uh, learn my way around it yeah. because, again, I come from more organized function, you know, where yeah. working yeah. with marathoners. Alvin's won like the 3K every year except for one year. He's won the 15K every time he's competed, right? Uh, you know, I probably, the, when we launched the 3K, I thought there'd be more disparity between the 3K and the 15K. And it's probably close enough that uh, his fitness can, is obviously exceptional and can cover both distances um but yeah i mean so who maybe do you like who do you like for 2021 it's very very tough to you can't bet against alvin so that's just like you know he's he's the greatest we've ever had um uh, especially for our distances um he hasn't raced the 100 meter so i would say uh Thomas Van Tonder from South Africa, still from the 100 meter. He's a defending champion. On the women's side, um, Karen Carlson from Sweden came into her own last year, and she just fantastic. She won the 100 meter and the 15 and the 15k. So, like, good on her. I think she she's the person to beat right now. Um, and then obviously Lindsay Ryan are in the uh, in there. Uh, VJ, you know, VJ has raced at Stratton, so he has a little bit of an advantage there. Um, and then I'd like to see, honestly, I'd like to see some new, fresh faces come in sure. from other sporting backgrounds. I'd like to see more diversity in the sport sure. um, by way of national origin and ethnicity. I think that's sorely lacking right now. Um, so I'd like to see that get pulled up over the year. Um, uh, Nicole, obviously, Nicole's right there, right there with Lindsay and Karen. And on the women's side, it's kind of like it's anybody's race on any given day. Um, sure. But I think my favorites are always the defending champions because, right. you know, the target's on, target's on their back. Well, I could tell you that since VJ moved from South, Southern California to Colorado, yeah. he's at 7,500 feet right now and he's running in the snow. Yeah. So <laughs> if, there's, uh, if there's a bit of an advantage over what he had to contend with last year, the weather was good for you. Yeah, last year. So yeah, it was great. It was beautiful. It was if beautiful. I don't, if fun. I don't miss my bet, and you you have some uh, inclement weather, let's call it, mm -hmm. uh, he's he's going to have an edge, and I think that Atkins uh, will probably he's okay with that weather too. So yeah, um, him yeah. and his wife both will probably yeah. have. I mean, I, that's the beauty of the sport, right? All the people we've mentioned, uh, like you know, it's like that that adage, any given Sunday, right? Like it could be anybody's day. You know, we've had. It, like Car Karin's race last year, like that came down to one obstacle, right? It came down to one obstacle that she made it through after a couple of attempts. And the other few, uh, uh, Ida Steensgaard, um, she got passed on that obstacle. And then that was enough to carry Karin to the victory. And that was within a mile of the finish line, right? So it literally could be anybody's race on those days. And that's, that's pretty exciting. I'm definitely uh, planning on being there. Yeah, we'd love try, to have you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to make it out there. I know if if VJ races, he's going to want me to be there with him. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I need vindication because I missed last year or this year. Yeah, I'm convincing people to go, trying to convince people to go, not because like we're a business, but just because like I'm going to be like freaking proud of what we produce next year, right? Like there, there's like hand of my heart. There are things that we want to do that have not been done in obstacle course racing. And if we could do them the right way and pull off the athlete, not even athlete, the experience for athletes and their supporters in the way we want to do it, then greatest event in OCR. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm going to hit you up later on. I'm going to get some. I want to get some in close credentials so I can. Yeah, be for in, sure. Be in for the sure. fight. I want to see things go down. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll it'll be great. Like we, we've we've mapped out a course. We've we've begun choreographing. Um, you know, the athlete experience and thinking about the lineup of events, talking to partners. Um, like it, this is like it's kind of like we're going all in on, on next year. So that's awesome. I think I, I think that given the date that you chose, it's going to work really well. Um, yeah, I know there was a lot of guys that are falling out. Uh, guys meaning events. Falling mm -hmm. out early in the season, yeah, uh, out of fear of incapability, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better yeah. way of expressing it. But I think yeah, your date's sure. going to be solid. I think that everybody's going to be raving to race again. That's yeah. that's the hope. I, I mean, yeah, that's the hope. Even talking to like my friends in October, I was like, man, I kind of miss waking up at four o'clock in the morning and being really, really, really nervous and figuring out what's figuring out what's going on and like being paranoid, not getting any sleep. I can't believe I would actually miss it, but I, but I did this year. So, dude, I, so you know what? It's, it, it, I love hearing you say that because I remember standing on the beach at four in the morning, three in the morning, guarding the bikes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't yeah. trust anybody to get it done. So I, right, didn't right. Sleep, I didn't sleep for probably 38 hours going into an yep. event. And we had, yeah, we had, television coverage and stuff like this. And I was just so mm -hmm. freaked out. Yeah. Something about like waking up in the morning and like putting on like wet shoes and pants from the day before and thinking like, why the heck am I doing this? Yeah. But then you get out there, sun starts coming up, you flip the switch on the, on the, on the speakers and you, you know, music starts playing and then people start showing up and then you kind of like, then you're, it's like, it sinks in like, this is going to be freaking awesome. Um, but yeah. Yeah, then you drop over almost dead after the event because you're yeah. exhausted. I, I get sick. I get sick after every event. Like I get like massive flu, whatever. After every event we've ever produced, I get massively sick. Well, you know what helps with that is scotch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You got yeah. old scotch keeps you out of trouble. Just letting you right. know. Inside, <laughs> right. inside tip from an old man. Okay. All right, I'll take you up on that. At the event next year, we'll share a scotch afterwards. Uh, you know what? And I'll bring the bottle. I'll bring the Got bottle. Got it. Look, yeah. it was a pleasure, man. I really yeah, uh, likewise. enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed having a chance to speak with you. It's it's fun to know that we have some synergies yep. from back sure. in the day. We'll tell war stories, solve the world's problems, and have a little bit of old scotch together. Sounds good. Well, that's it, folks. If you enjoyed what you heard just now, I'd love for you to follow us on Instagram at D-I-A-Z-H-P. Till next time.